0: Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful. The power of your gift to man. The power of those that represented it to us 2,000 years ago. Their thinking, their analysis, their offering to us. We that have followed it to salvation, we'd ask that We'd really rejoice in it. In your son's name, amen. We're looking at Romans chapter 4 and the beginning of 5. I had been, I had had a sort of long distance uh, Bible conversation with a gentleman over Romans 6, 7, and 8 in the last, in the last week, and <laughs> it was... Uh, it was beneficial, it was also beneficial just going over it again, um, and started to be thinking about along certain lines, along the nature of the faith and the faith that saves. And Romans 4, I mean, we step into it, you've you got everybody in, in uh, Romans being consigned to sin in the first few chapters, Jew and Gentile alike. And then he introduces uh, Abraham's faith. And I, I, I couldn't obviously fit all of that on there, uh, the first part of Romans 4, because um, it starts out the verse 1, says, what shall we say about Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? And then he basically moves Abraham away from forefather of the flesh to forefather of faith, and so that's where you're in the midst of. You can read it on your own time as to what has gone down before. Verse 13 of chapter 4 of Romans says The promise to Abraham and his descendants that they should inherit the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Now, that's this phrase that struck me the righteousness of faith. Now earlier in the chapter the earlier in the chapter Paul makes a strong argument that when it speaks of Abraham's faith and it says it was reckoned to him as righteousness not as his due not his wage that he deserved that he was called righteous because he did the righteous thing but because God seeing his faith credited him reckoned him as righteous And, of course, Christians have gotten into countless fights, and I'm sure Christians have burned one another at stakes over this question. I hope I don't say anything wrong. But I want you to think about, because we're all here, because we're Christians, and we believe whatever your sense of the mechanism, you could have a more determinist view. You could have a more uh, free willy sort of view. But... We all believe that we're saved by grace through faith. And that faith, um, I, I think we need to meditate on it more. I think we're, I think we're not giving it... We, we get off the rails on the faith itself. We don't know why when he says the righteousness of faith. There's a, there's a side of that isn't just... Okay, you have faith, we will call you righteous, fake righteous. You know, the righteousness of Christ applied to you, that's generally where theologians go with this. The righteousness of Christ applied to you because of faith. But there is a righteousness of the faith itself. Not the righteousness that we would think of, doing the good deed, helping the old lady across the street, paying your taxes, going to church. Memorizing Bible verses, I don't know, whatever, what's good to do. Not murdering people. But this is slightly different. This isn't um, righteous acts. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, those are the people who are doing the righteous acts, people who do the things that the, the law of Moses told them to do. Faith is null, and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. Now, I'm going to be skipping over some things that are loaded. Phrases like, where there is no law, there is no transgression, is a a lot of fun discussion can go on about the nature of ethics, but we're going to skip over that not disbelieving that it's important, but because I want to get to the the point uh, here in the text. Verse 16, that is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who will share the faith of Abraham. Okay? So he wants to be sure that this there's clarity about what faith, the righteousness of faith, will do. For he is the father of us all. As it is written, I've made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, because he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. <clears throat> I want uh, looking at this passage. I would, the, the line of meditation I was having on it, since there's always this fight between you know the, the James account, you are saved by by faith and works, and Paul going, you're saved by faith, not of works, and how do you make those work? And um, everybody slipping easily into legalism or slipping easily into keeping the rules of their particular church. Um, what what preserves us? What will what understanding will preserve us from um, preserve us from a, a bad relationship to faith or a bad relationship to righteousness? There is a if you if you if you look at what faith is, and you all know that passage in Hebrews. I have it quoted on the left-hand side a little bit further. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. A general, generic definition of faith. But I want you to consider, as you look at this faith and what it accomplishes, the righteousness that it is, the righteousness given to you, credited to you by God, is it just something he says, well, everybody with blue eyes gets credited as righteousness? No connection at all. Just I have to be arbitrary. I have to pick something. Everybody who's over 5'9 goes to heaven. I'm in. Well, why not? What's the connection between your faith and the grace given? What is the disconnection between works, things that are not going to save you, How is faith disconnected from works? If it were through the law, the faith is null and the promise is void. Faith is something every man can have, including those who have not adhered to the law, including those who are not under the law, like Gentiles, lived lives completely divorced from the Mosaic code, let alone the wicked. But you know, like the thief on the cross... Somebody at the last minute, having being a murdering swine his whole career, can look on the Christ and believe. It's why the LDS Church doesn't like Christians that much, because we're always saying, "Yeah, you could at the last minute, on the last day of your misspent life, fall on your knees and repent, and the Lord, or sin abounds, grace abounds all the more." I think we ought to be really considering what our faith looks like, who we are, how we we are Christians who are active in our lives. I've seen some of you here before. We're active in our lives. Some of you come over to the house. We get into discussions about spiritual things, Bible things. Um, we care. And so consequently, when we talk about faith, we know that it's who God is to us. And we have to say, but it's my faith. It's who God. God. God's grace is given. God gives it, but He is measuring something in me. When He says here in verse twenty-two, that is why His faith was quote reckoned to Him as righteousness. But the words, it was reckoned to him, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him that raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. That's the speaking of God. It says, God raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, and we have believed, and then consequently that reckoning of righteousness has come to us. Why does it come to us for faith? What does your faith look like? You see people who strive to believe, strive to believe really hard. You know, they just say they know it's faith, so they. Ah, I just I don't want to doubt not one bit. Claim it, claim it. Just you know, I, I, years ago I think I've shared this before that we had a health and wealth pastor lived across the street from us, and uh, he didn't own the house; he was renting it, and uh, he wanted the house. Everybody wants that house. Another person told me two days ago, your dad, uh, Caleb, stopped by and said, how about the house across the street? It's the perfect house that my wife would want. What are we, chopped liver? Nobody wants my house. but, But they want the house across the street. Well, this family was living in it, and they wanted the house across the street, and they were name it and claim it theologies. One day I'm out on the porch, and they're driving their Cadillac, around the house the block not just the house around the block repeatedly the daughter was sitting in the back seat and she saw me looking and she looked she, she was she was embarrassed her parents were driving around the house seven times like a jericho to claim it for their own tragically it didn't work um, and the agnostics who owned it moved back in. People want to prove that their faith is something. And there's always that doubt. This, all, this uh, family also had healing services Sunday afternoons, and uh, you'd see people being uh, wheeled up in wheelchairs, and they'd put a ramp out on the front stoop, wheeled up. Chair's in there, and I'm, of course, I'm sitting on my porch thinking on these things, commenting probably to the wife, why did they leave the ramp up? Oh, you <laughs> are going to have to wheel them out. That's, uh... And they, the people know. They, the people who are th- faith-based, you know, they're, they're trying to work up this energy of something, this believism, A belief in their belief. They want to believe in their belief. Because faith reckoned to you as righteousness, well, you start to get things, anything you ask of him with no doubting, he'll give to you. People want that sort of thing. It's an old Janis Joplin. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? Verse 1 of chapter 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are, and the word justified there, and this is a problem, I don't like what they do because they're making an assumption about the word, but the word means to be made righteous. Now, that's what justification is, but it turns the corner into a different topic a little bit. You're made righteous. You're made righteous by faith. Now we know that after the fact, show me your faith apart from your works and I by my works will show you my faith. We know that you are taken into good works and righteousness by your belief in Jesus Christ and the grace poured out to you. But you have a, um, um, a different justification, a different being made righteous and I, I I would never content with orthodoxy, you know, just people saying the right thing about faith because sometimes it, it sounds completely insensible for God to do it. And God is somebody. God is a very reasonable somebody, very powerful, knows it all, but he's reasonable. He's loving. I don't want to think that he's just you know, playing tiddlywinks with our souls, and if we just happen to have the right um, something, why does faith get considered as righteousness? Now, it says in... uh, Hebrews, well, I have this little thing from Kings here. I, I did that little survey of the Old Testament uh, for four weeks this summer. This, and this passage had stuck out on me then. Um, and the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, Have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Now, you know Ahab, married to Jezebel. She was a bad woman. And Ahab was a complete tool. And he killed that guy, had that guy killed, had his wife had that guy killed so he could get his vineyard, Naboth. And he got hammered by the prophet and he repents. And, the, and God says to Elijah, have you seen how good his repentance is? How he humbled himself to me. Have you seen that? And he he stayed the destruction that was coming on Ahab. Saved it for later for his family because of the humility with which he approached God. God is not just measuring. God is not just measuring um, your righteousness. He's measuring your faith. It is like your righteousness. Your righteousness, if you were good, God would be pleased with you, right? If you woke up and you were three and you finally realized the moral law and you said, I'm, good, I'm just going to be stand up, Johnny. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give my parents any problems. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to be a good Pelagian. I'm going to work my way to heaven. God would look down and she would say, well done. Good job. We know that. But he also looks at people who are complete rapscallions, who fall on their knees before him and repent and believe and is pleased with them. One is the pleasure of you doing it. What's the other pleasure? It's not the pleasure. It's a, God says, okay, I'll take care of the righteousness aspect. I will take on your sin in my death because I value what you did so much. What you did so much was a um, um, what you did so much was violation of my standards. But what you felt, what you thought, pleased me. It's a different kind of pleasure than the good of um, the good of your goodness. You're made righteous by faith. And when, this is a, sort of a way I was thinking about it. When you, when you want to be pleased, uh, someone who works their way to heaven, they want God to look at them and be pleased with his goodness, be pleased with what he did. And I would say salvation by faith is a salvation by works as well. The problem is, who's doing the works? Faith is when you look at the God and go, man, what a God. What a good God. What a loving God. What a benevolent God. I am making a judgment of God. That's what my faith is. When I am trying to live a righteous life, I want God to look at me and say, what a good guy Evan is. And with faith, I am the one saying what a good guy God is. And because he is good to, to the, the, the pleasure of it for God, when it says in, um, when it says in um, um, Hebrews, uh, I have these, these verses uh, uh, pulled in together out of Hebrews 11 and 12, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the men of old received divine approval. Once again, faith got you approved by God. And then a few verses later it says, and without faith it is impossible to please him. So it's possible to please God with your faith. Your faith isn't just a, a throwaway substance God decided was going to be the, what he was using to measure it. You were going to make him happier with you for having believed. And what's the happiness based on? The happiness is based on what you think of him, not what he thinks of you. Okay? Um, What's a good example? You know how in romances, romantics of your own, Sometimes, you're in love with a person because of who they are. Which is a good thing, right? She's good looking. Loves the Lord. Great cook. Uh, What else? She wants, what, some tall guy with... A lot of motor under his wheels, classic American muscle car in the driveway. What what else could be impress a woman? I am I'm trying to. I, I just got my uh, motorcycle jacket from Macy's. It's kind of tragic um, in its own right, but it's a motorcycle jacket. Uh, I'm I'm not going to. I'm not going leathers because I'm not into it. So it's a, a Levi jacket. We were shopping for it in Spokane this last week. They didn't have any <clears throat> my size uh, because I'm a 3XL. They had a 2XL wooden button. Ordered the 3XL. Today, Yesterday I ordered the Triumph Wings to go on the back because got to have them. Now I'm hoping it's going to impress my wife. Don't know if it will, but hoping it will. We have two phases in love: who the person is we love and what the person whom we love thinks of us. Right? Suddenly, when you admire some woman from afar, she's just gorgeous. Yeah, what a reputation. My mother, peace be upon her, wouldn't tell me about a girl that liked me until we left town. I mean, moved away. Even then, I finally said, we'd moved out west, and I said, who was that girl that liked me? She says, I'm not going to tell you now either. You might go back. (laughs) So I went back, I came back, not likely to ever go there again. Then she told me, "It was always the worst This is the, the, the best looking girl in the church, best looking girl in the church, who is morally reprobate, but best looking girl in the church." Because nothing hits you like being loved. Okay. Now. Some of this, some of what we have in in our our God is not this we admire him for being him. His qualities, his works, his righteousness. We're also experiencing that from him, the love of God. And um, it says this in the next paragraph. uh, Verse 2, Through him we've obtained access to this grace in which we stand. We rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. We are experiencing in some ways the same thing God is experiencing. He would like to be able to save you on the basis of your righteousness. You don't have enough. You don't have enough. We're like that bad girl. In the Old Testament where God speaks to, Hosea has to marry Gomer, the woman of ill fame. Because that's what the people of God were like. A woman without too many morals. But he also wants to be loved by man. And the only thing he can hope for, since we're not going to be doing it, you might say, the right way of obeying him from three years old and up, the only hope is sort of a proto-righteousness, a proto-faith. The thing that pleases him is that we seek him. You see that in Romans 1, where it says, although they, was it, how's it phrased, although they knew him... Um, Ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature, namely his eternal power and deity, have been clearly perceived in the things that have been made, so they're without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their senseless minds were darkened. That's what happens in the sinfulness of every man you got this proto-thing. You have a God standing in front of you, obvious in all of creation. He is good, obvious in all creation. He is benevolent, obvious in all creation. He is powerful. He will be judge in all creation. And my faith is my belief of him, not belief in him, belief of him, that I seek his face and I seek his way because he is good. Work salvation, God's works. I believe in who he is, and he rejoices in my belief because it is a honor. We did not honor him as God or give him thanks. Everyone, Grandma likes to be thanked for the present she sent you. She would like to be thanked. She would like to have you recognize that it was a present. It cost her some money. She shopped for it briefly on Amazon, but... She shopped for it. God has given us so much in his love. His love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So much good has come to us, and it's tied directly to, you might say, the richness of your faith. Your richness of your faith is your adoration of Him, your pursuit of Him. You're not saying, Lord, have a look at me, I'm pretty good. You're saying, I'm pursuing you, you're pretty good. That's what faith is. The things that are unseen to us, we grab hold of and say, I know there's a God there, I'm pursuing that God. It says, without faith it's impossible to please him, whoever would draw near to God. This is that Hebrews 11, um, 6. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The seeking of God has always been a curiosity to me. Why does it please him? You recognize he is. Yeah, I've heard of you. I mean, what if you were at a conference, say you were single, and you heard someone across the way behind a group of flowers go, I've really heard a lot about that then mentions your name, and you you pause because it seems like it's a really attractive person. You haven't even met you, but really attractive person. They mention your name to somebody, and you know that given your luck, that person who's very attractive is going, I hear he's just a bastard, or I hear he's just awful, or I heard he, you know, Got drunk last night. You know, you're waiting for the shoe to drop. But then they say, no, great things, but I would love to meet this person. When a person knows you are and wants to meet you, that's what your faith is to God. You know who he is, and you want to meet him. So if you start thinking about your faith in terms of knowing who your God is, and you wanting to meet him it starts to affect all sorts of other things and practices of your life. You don't start reading your bibles because it's the thing to do. Got to read a lot of bible. How can I bring up bible and passages when in a conversation unless I read the bible? Well, yeah, it has some benefits. I, say, I I I want to know I want to know this guy. I want to know this God. I want to which is he? Oh, he's Yahweh. I, that's, I heard that's his name. Or Jesus Christ. I heard that's his name. I want to know him. I'd like to, can you have a copy of his diary? Yeah, I can get you a copy of his diary. And when God hears about your faith, he reckons it to you as righteousness. It isn't righteous, it's you being impressed with righteousness. Again, the difference is when you work for your salvation, you want God to be impressed with your righteousness. When you live by faith, you're impressed with his righteousness. And he considers that a good thing in you. Not a righteousness, but so good, so pleasing, so satisfying to him that he would be sought by a sinful man, that he would apply the death of his son to it and grant you the righteousness. For while we were still weak, verse 6, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Well, one will hardly die for a righteous man, though for perhaps a good man one would dare even to die, but God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, his death for us, his death for humanity, was not referencing the hope That somehow he'd be mistaken about how bad you were. You were sinners. All of us were sinners. He died for us so that there would be a path viewing his goodness. That was a path of his love, where he offered himself not reactive to you at all, because if he reacted to you, he'd just drop a nuclear warhead on you. That's all you deserved. But he was good. And faith is that which sees God's goodness. (coughs) Since therefore we are now justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. We're both made righteous in the now and we're saved in the future. Your salvation, by the way, is you are saved from the judgment. If you want to know where you will not be judged for your sins like you did do them but you made such an impression on your God because of how much honor and uh, pursuit of him you gave. Remember, even Ahab will have God say good things about him. Even Ahab. What I want you to do here in Hebrews, the next chapter after I have one more, couple verses there, Hebrews 12 on the left-hand side. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. He went through all through 11 with those definitional elements in it at the very beginning and then that little one-phrase lecture on what pleases him about faith. Since therefore, he goes in through it and tells all these stories about Old Testament faithful people. Since therefore we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In all of this, we we are perceptive of God's goodness. We want his goodness to make goodness in us. That's what holiness and the pursuit of it is. But we pursue it by making Christ the center of our uh, attentions. Our faith, again, is not in faith. Our faith is in him. Our faith is we picked that God, not Krishna, not Muhammad, not Allah. not Those are other religions. Our religion picked Jesus Christ and the righteousness of Christ to admire, realize it was the maker of heaven and earth, made, what did it say earlier, the things that were made um, out of things that were not. We picked this. This is what you are farming for your life. We are justified by it. We are saved by it. For if while we were enemies we are reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You don't get to walk away from Jesus Christ. This impression, if faith in you was Christian faith that that saw the living God and saw the work of God's love in Christ and said, I must have that, I have to, where do I have to go to get more of that? That once you got it, once you walked the aisle, once you prayed the prayer, once you signed the card, whatever it is you do to get into heaven these days, you didn't stop. Because if we were justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by his life. That's like saying, I was justified by his death, I am being saved by his life. But my faith ought to still be riveted because my pleasure of God primarily, my proto-pleasing of God, the righteousness of the believer, which we believe here, we believe that you could be holy, that is available to you through faith in Jesus Christ, and God is pleased with you for being righteous. You didn't earn your salvation. You were made good by your salvation, but what God is pleased with is your belief in him, your adoration of him, and we don't want to fake it out by some sort of um, cheesy performance of, of love for God. You know, I don't mind if you swing your hands back and forth. I don't mind if you close your eyes. I don't mind if you have emotions. I, I hear they're fun. But uh, we don't want to. We don't want to try to fake God out with faith. He knows what you think. And your behavior, your pursuit, what you choose to do. Not what the church chooses to do for you. One of the reasons we don't have programs is because we don't want to choose anything for you. So that you will choose your pursuit of God. Who you are and what reputation you have. You're known in this body, small group of people, you know each other. And you're known in this body by how much you pursue the things of God. Because you have faith, you know he is good You want to stand closer to him. You seek him. You will be saved by his life. You are justified by his death, saved by his life. Not only so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received our reconciliation. You want to be the target of his grace. He is looking. You know, whether or not you believe, you know, to, to me it doesn't matter whether you're a determinist or a free will person about this, because we all go through the same phenomenal experience where we, we consider what we believe. and, it, and it, But you have to say, for me to think that God has sought me, God has sought me, because of what the faith I had. Even if you believe it was determined by God that you have the faith, it's still your faith was measured as pleasing to him. And if you thought you had the faith, it's still, it's pleasing to him. So the only thing really we can do anything about is the examination of our faith, the examination of whether or not I adore you. When I speak of God, you know perfectly well when somebody looks at you and the smile doesn't reach their eyes, and they say, yeah, I I do adore you. You go, oh, man, I'm lost. This person doesn't. We know. What in your life, who are you in relationship to him? Who is he in relationship to you? What God do you believe in? Let's let's thank him. Dear Lord, we're grateful for your goodness that we were able to see in the midst of our lack of goodness, that we wanted to stand near to it. We wanted to have the light of such righteousness in our lives. We pursued you. We heard the gospel. We believed the gospel. You forgave us. You made us righteous. You reckoned us as such because we pleased you with our pursuit of you. Help us understand that we should be honest with our pursuit, that we know how much we care. In your son's name we pray, amen.